we are going to get into the word. Pastor Alex had asked me um, to take the service this morning, and so uh, I am absolutely grateful and honored to be able to grace the pulpit and to minister the word. I want to take a moment just to give honor to Pastor Alex and Pastor Naomi. Thank you guys so much. We love and we appreciate you guys and look forward to having you back with us. Um, And this morning, I want to, I've titled this morning's message, To Be Useful and Fruitful. Anybody want to be useful and fruitful in the kingdom of God? Okay, there was about seven of y'all. What's going on with the rest of you? This 11 a.m. service, Pastor Brian. It was coffee over there, Ocean's Cafe. All right, we're going we're gonna to get into it this morning. We're going to be taking a look at the Apostle Peter's second letter to, to the church. And so we're going to start with 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to read verses 8 and 9 this morning. It says, for if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. These things that we're going to take a look at this morning are absolutely stressed by Peter and the Holy Spirit using Peter to write this. It's stressed to be very, very important in the life of a believer. And if you don't believe me, I'm going to read a few scriptures here so that you can see the heart and and, 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 and what Peter is saying so you can see the importance of it. Verse number 12, Peter says this. He says, for this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things that you know and are established in the present truth. Peter is letting them know that he is always, somebody say always, always going to remind them even though they're already aware of it. So in other words, this wasn't something that was foreign to them. This wasn't any kind of new topic or new theology. This is something that they were very, very aware of, but it was so important that Peter tells them, y'all are going to hear a lot of it from me. How many know that we need to be reminded of some things in life sometimes? We have a tendency to forget. We are sometimes easily distracted and, and, and get off track when it comes to our Christian walk. Verse number 13, Peter says this. It says, yes, I think it is right as long as I'm in this tent to stir you up by reminding you. Come on, Peter, it would have one time would have been enough you telling me this, but he says, no, listen, As long as I'm in this tent, in other words, in this body, as long as I'm alive, as long as I have breath in my lungs and the ability and capacity to tell you that I'm going to stir you up concerning these things, I'm going to bring it to your attention. Well, that wasn't enough either. How many knows that when when you hear something for the second time, it's usually confirmation. When you hear it third time, there's a point that is trying to be stressed and brought out. 
verse 14 and 15, Peter says, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. Okay, Peter, we're getting the point here. He's saying that I'm going to make it my goal. I'm going to make sure that even after I die, you are going to be aware and reminded of those things. And here we are many years after the death of the apostle Peter. And guess what we're doing here this morning? We are being reminded of those things. Hallelujah. So, my question to you this morning is, what are these things that the apostle is talking about that are so important to you, to me, and to every believer that is in the body of Christ? 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5-7, through 7, he says this, But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. I love it about Peter is because he doesn't leave any room for speculation. He lays it out and is very clear and he lets you know what's, what's going on. He tells you that he's wanting you to add some things to your faith, but then he also tells you the reason why you are to do it. What is the reason? He says, because of this very reason. Okay, Peter, well, what's the reason that we have to add these things to our faith? And what he does when he, when he, when he starts off in the introduction of this, this letter, he lays out this beautiful picture of some, just a little small portion of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. Listen to what he does. God has given us his divine power. Through his divine power, he has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through Jesus Christ. In other words, he's equipped us. Everything that we need, we have received. He tells, Peter tells his audience that he, that God is giving us exceedingly great and precious promises. How many like a promise? Okay, hold on. All right, I understand that man can fail in his promises, but I'm talking about how many love a promise from God? Because you see, a promise from God you can take to the bank. God upholds his word. God is true to his word. He's not a man that he would lie, nor the son of man that he repents. Peter tells his audience there, his readers, that God has made us to be partakers of the divine nature. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm grateful and I'm excited that I have a new nature on the inside of me that enables me to be better than that old man. Because I didn't like, I don't know about you, but I didn't like the person that I saw in the mirror. I didn't like the way that I was acting. I didn't like the life that I was living. I looked to the world. I looked to self-help books and all of those things, but there was no change. The, only, the change came when there became a seed on the inside of me. There was a seed that was planted. There was a divine nature that was imparted to me that now I'm able to do. I'm able to walk. I'm able to talk just like Jesus. Oh, can we give him a shout of praise that he's made us to be a partaker of the divine nature? Hallelujah. So Peter says, so as a result of all of this that I've just shared with you, we as believers in the body have to respond. We have to add. 
uh-oh. We have to do something? Absolutely. I want to tell you that the word add is very, very critical in understanding and interpreting the text here. The word add is an imperative verb in the Greek. Okay, and for all of you, and like me, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I, I, I study, I look at it. So let me tell you what that means. It means when Peter is saying add to your faith virtue, when he uses the word add, it's not just a light suggestion to do something. It's a command. It's a charge. It's a militaristic type of term. It's, it's something that you are being commanded to do. In other words, it's not really an option. As a Christian, there are things that need to grow and develop in our lives. I can't stay like I was yesterday. I'm not okay with just remaining the way that I am today, but tomorrow I got to be better. I want to be better. I need to be better. And you know what's powerful is that word, what it means. The word add actually means in the Greek, it means to supply to, or to furnish but to provide at one's own expense. That means that there's a role or a part that you and I play in this. There's something that we have to do. You want to grow in these qualities and these virtues that Peter is discussing, then we play a part in that. It's not just something, just sit down and I'm just so passive and God's going to do it all. No, You work, you come alongside or the Holy Spirit comes alongside of you and you work in tandem, you work together to see these things cultivated in your life. Can I get an amen? All right, about half of you. That's okay. I know you guys are, I know we're building, we're working into it. Hallelujah. Peter also tells him, he, you know, where are these virtues? Where are, they, where, where are these qualities being added to? The Bible says that they're being added to our faith. In other words, they're being added into our Christian walk. They're, they're, they are coming alongside of the work that God has already done in our life. And then he tells you in what manner we are to add them. Come on, somebody look at your neighbor and tell them diligence. Diligence is being eager and zealous. It means do it with haste. In other words, he's saying, I need you to do it, but I need you to do it now. You see, developing these virtues and qualities in our life is not something that's for next year. It's not when I, I'm, 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 if I'm 30, I got to wait till I'm 45 to do it. It's, it's not something five years down the road. It's not even tomorrow. It's right now. I got to move with haste. I got to develop these things now. That's how important it is. So let's take a look at this. He says, with all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Virtue is the Greek word arete, and it means uncommon character, worthy of praise, excellence of character. God's wanting us to grow in that. He's wanting us to have uncommon character. Oh, hallelujah. But that's not yet developed in me, Pastor Brian. I'm still a work in progress. But is there a biblical example of what that looks like? Yes, I'm glad that you're asking so many questions. Genesis chapter 39, verses 7 through 12. There's a man by the name of Joseph. Joseph is an incredible example of someone who has virtue. It says, and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, lie with me. 
But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept anything back from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was inside that she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. That's somebody that's got virtue in their life. Joseph was a man who upheld his values. He walked in integrity. He did what others in that situation probably wouldn't have done. Bible says, flee fornication. Run. He said, you might got my karma, but you won't keep it because I'm out of here. I'm gone. Why? Because he loved God. He wanted to honor God with his life. A man that honored God no matter what. There's a woman in the Bible that God devoted like a whole chapter in Proverbs 31. Virtuous woman. You want to know what virtue looks like in the life of a believer? Listen to some of the highlights about this woman. She was strong. She was wise. She was a hard worker and trustworthy. She was one who feared or revered God. She was an incredible source of love and support for her family, her children, her husband. That's what virtue looks like in the life of a believer. What is God wanting us to do? He's wanting us to grow in that. Peter says, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. Knowledge is the Greek word gnosis, and it means to comprehend or to intellectually grasp something. Acts chapter 17, we read a story about Paul and, and Silas, and they were on, on the second missionary trip, and, and Paul and Silas find themselves in the place of Berea. They go into the synagogue, and in the synagogue it describes these, these people. Acts 17, 11 says that these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, and that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. You want, you want to know what, what knowledge is, the, you know, that, that, that quality. You want to grow in that? You got to have a willingness, an eagerness to learn. You got you to be like the Bereans. It's, I'm not just taking what you're saying, but I'm going to flip through the word. And I'm going to find out if this is really true. I'm, I'm on the search for truth. I want to know more about God. I want, to, I, want to, I want revelation. I want knowledge. I want wisdom and understanding. There's a, there's a proverb that says, Lift your voice for um, knowledge and cry out after understanding. It says, seek for her as like a hidden treasure. It says, if you do these things, that you will find the knowledge of God and understand the fear of the Lord. But that doesn't happen when you leave your Bible on the mantle and it's got all kinds of dust. You got to dust that baby off. You got to open it up. You got to be willing to sacrifice a little bit and get up a little bit early when the babies are still sleeping. 
you got to be willing to stay up a little bit late after the babies have gone to sleep. And, and i got to press in. God, I, I, I know some things, but God, there's still a lot more that I've not even scratched the surface. God, I want to know you. We've got to develop a passion and a love for the Word of God. I want to read it. I want to meditate on it. I want to pray it. I want to live it. I want to preach it. I want to teach it. I want to share it. I want the Word of God to be like fire shut up in my bones. I can't even put it down. I can't help but speak it. There's got to be that hunger and thirst on the inside of us to grow in knowledge. But Peter said, add to knowledge, self-control. You could have left that one out there, Peter. Yikes. Come on, we're talking about things that sometimes aren't real easy. But still, God is looking for us to grow in them. Self-control is the Greek word entatia, or somewhere along the lines of that. And it means to restrain one's emotions, impulses, or desires. In other words, you got to say no. You got to put that thing under your feet. It's got to come under subjection to the Spirit of God on the inside of you. An example of that incredible man by the name of Job. Job chapter 1, verse 20 and 21 says, Then Job arose, he tore his robe, and shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshiped. What? And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job, are you sick? Are you feeling okay? You just, your health is jacked up. You lost all your wealth. Your children died, but this is your response? What an incredible man of God. Not a perfect man of God, but one obviously who was exercising self-control. He did not allow his emotions to drive him to a place of bondage. He did not allow his emotions in the flesh to cause his hand to be lifted up and a fist at God and cursing God and, and rebelling against him, but rather... He fell on his knees and worshiped God, giving the honor and the glory that is due to him and him alone. Hallelujah. It says, add to self-control perseverance. The Greek word, hippomone. Maybe. I don't know, I almost said hippomotamus. <laughs> Lord, help me. <laughs> It's the capacity to hold out or bear up in the face of extreme difficulty. Anybody ever had to persevere? Anybody ever been through some fire? Like Pastor Brian was talking about last night. Anybody ever been through some hard acid tests and trials in your life? And it required you to persevere. I was sharing with the first service, I was thinking about examples in the Bible about these different topics and when it came to perseverance, man, everybody came up. I'm like, well, the whole Bible is filled of people that had to persevere and press through difficult times. And apart from Jesus, there's one that really, really stood out, and it's the Apostle Paul. What an incredible man of God. And he summed up his life of trials and testings 
in a paragraph that he wrote in his letter to the Corinthian church, 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 28, he says, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more. In laborers more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods and once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I've been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils of the city, in perils of, in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things which comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all of the churches. What? You read something like that, and we, 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 we should never complain. Here's a man that's been through just about everything that could come his way. Any, 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 anything that could happen. Here, the man of God has endured. What the incredible thing about the Apostle Paul is, it did, he didn't shrink back. He didn't give up. He didn't, he didn't quit. He didn't throw in the towel. He didn't throw his hand up and, 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 and you know, curse God. But what did he do? He pressed through. He kept going. He kept moving forward. So many times when trials and testings come up in our life, man, they, they, they're, they're hot. It, like Pastor Brian was talking about last night when you touch the fire, you, you get burned. It hurts. And we go through these times, man, and we don't want to go through it. And it seems like it's so much easier to just turn away and, 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 and walk and go in a different direction. But if we do that, we're never going to grow. We're never going to get to the destination. If we're always turning back and not pressing forward, no matter how hot it is or no matter how deep the water, he said, you will go through the fires and it, you will not smell like smoke. You'll go through the waters and it, it will not drown you. God's grace is available to help you to press through and to persevere. How many want to grow in perseverance? Amen. He said, add to perseverance, godliness. The Greek word, usvavia, maybe. Reverence, respect, and devotion to God. Think about Daniel. There was a decree that was, that was written that anybody in the land there, that if they would petition any other God other than Nebuchadnezzar, then they were going to get in trouble. My God, I love Daniel. What an incredible display of, you know what, I don't care what you say, but I'm fully committed and devoted to my God, the only truly true God. You guys are serving idols and and wood carvings and stone and and just devils behind all of that stuff. But I, tr I serve the true and the living God who gives life and breath to all things. Daniel 6 and 10, he says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room, he, with the windows open towards Jerusalem, <laughs> he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before God as his custom was since early days. He remained devoted to God in the face of opposition, testing, threats, and persecution. 
Peter says, to that add brotherly kindness. The Greek word Philadelphia, where we get Philadelphia from. It's love or a sense of affection for a fellow Christian. Jesus even said, he said that everybody will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. The early church, man, they, I won't say that they got it perfect, but man, they were, they were following in the ways of, of Christ. Acts chapter 2, 44 through 47. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily to those who were being saved. Early church had a heart for one another, their brothers and sisters in Christ. If they saw that there was a need, their heart was yearning to be able to meet that need and to be able to help. They walked in true compassion, the compassion of Christ. Compassion is not only am I, I have an awareness of, of your problem or your situation or your need, but it is also accompanied with the desire to alleviate. In other words, I see your condition and I'm coming to help. That's brotherly love. That's brotherly kindness. How many know we need to grow in that? Come on, Jesus said it. He said this will be a mark of a true disciple if you have loved one to another. But oftentimes we allow the enemy to come in. And now we bite and devour one another as the word of God says. And we ought not to do that. But we should, but we should encourage and exhort one another as long as it is today. Like the writer of Hebrews says. We should look out. We should be our brother's keeper. Come on, can I get an amen in here this morning? And then add to brotherly kindness, love. The Greek word agape. It's love, affection, a, a, a fellowship meal, a love feast. It's, it's love that's selfless and unconditional, give, given freely without expecting anything returned. We don't have to look too deep in the word of God to find out an example of that. All we got to do is look to Jesus. Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 13. It says, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friend. Are you willing to lay down your life for somebody else? John 10, 15 through 18. It says, as the Father knows me, even, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and they were, there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. Listen to this. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. Come on. Nobody twisted his arm. Nobody bribed him. Nobody made threats. He did it because he wanted to. Hallelujah. He said, this command I received from my Father. Church, we got to grow in these things that Peter is listing. Not only if we grow will we become more and more in the likeness of Christ, but I was sharing with the first service how, how if these things, if we allow these things to be cultivated and developed and we become more mature in these things, not only do we look more and more like Christ, but they have the power to influence people around us. It has the power to influence our family, our city, our nation to bring change. It has an attraction to it. Listen to me, church. If you're growing and you're doing really, really good, you're excelling in um, uh, 
persevering. And the people around you that are not serving Christ, they see you going through some difficult times and trials in your life. And they're expecting you to buckle under the pressure. But they see you still praising God. You're still putting one foot in front of the other. You're still giving them glory. You're still giving them thanks. What is that going to do? Oh, hallelujah. They're going to have some questions for you. What in the world is wrong with you? What is it that you have that, that you're acting like this? What do you know that I don't know? Oh, let me tell you about a man named Jesus. Oh, life-changing Savior, a soon-coming King. Hallelujah. When you've got uncommon character, like Joseph, like the Proverbs 31 woman, people are going to want to know, how do you do that? How do you carry yourself like that? They're going to they're gonna have questions. It's going to be drawn. They're going to be drawn to you. They're going to be drawn to the God that is in you. We have an opportunity through the process of spiritual growth to have an impact in the lives of people in our city. Even our own brothers and sisters. Come on, the Bible says that a brother was born for adversity. You're going through the fire and you're responding well. You're able to encourage somebody else. Hallelujah. But the Bible says that if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. You ain't got to do it in your own strength. The grace of God is there to enable you to press through and to grow. A plant doesn't grow all by itself. It needs sunlight. It needs water. It needs things to go along with it. Hallelujah. So church, this morning I've come with a message that we must continue to grow. All of these qualities we already have in our life, but we have not yet reached the place of maturity in those things. Every one of us has areas of growth, and we will keep on growing until Jesus says, come on, it's time to go home. So with that being said, I want to close with this. Peter and the Holy Spirit through Peter stresses the importance of us to grow in these things. But church, how do we do it? I want to tell you about my days playing basketball. I'm going to tell y'all about one of the most embarrassing times I ever had in my life. Y'all don't laugh at me. I played basketball from the age five all the way on up into, I would have played in college, but I, I had this problem. I, I didn't like school and ended up dropping out of school. When I was playing basketball around the junior high, high school years, I began to understand how important it is to become a really good free throw shooter. You've got nobody standing around you. You've got, you're standing at the line and you have a free shot to score a point. Didn't get much easier than that. But in that, I didn't want to just be mediocre and have a 60 to 70% free throw percentage. I wanted to be better. I wanted to take full advantage of that opportunity. I wanted to be 80, 90, even potentially 100%. And I knew that as the position that I played, being a guard, when I got into the game, I was going to get fouled and I was going to go to the line. I was going to have opportunity to grow and get better in this. 
Church, I want to tell you that to continue to grow in these virtues that the Apostle Peter is talking about, I believe it's important that we understand that we are going to be tested in these areas. That in other words, there's going to be opportunities that come your way for you to grow in them. Probably later today, you're going to have the opportunity to exercise self-control. Tomorrow sometime, there's probably going to be an opportunity that presents itself for you to persevere. Come on, just being real. This is the Christian walk. Come on, we suffer for righteousness sake. All that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. We're still dealing with the old man. It's the reality. Are you guys with me? So it's important that we recognize and welcome them as an opportunity to grow. Second thing, when it came game time and I was standing there, I got fouled and I'd be at the line and I'd, I'd have my free throws. I would think about what I did wrong when I missed the last one, whether it was, you know, I didn't, I didn't bend my knees or I didn't, I didn't follow through with the shot. Or if I made the shot, I, would just, I was thinking about like what I did right. And I would, if I did something wrong, I would make the adjustment. So if I didn't bend my knee in, you know, hold my knee in and then and, and shoot, then I would make sure that I did it the second time. In other words, what I was doing was I, was I was learning from my mistakes. I was applying necessary changes. Why? So that I could grow and develop and being a better free throw shooter with a higher percentage. Can you guys give me an amen? Amen. So when it comes to growing spiritually, it's important for us to be intentional and put into practice what we've learned. Learn from our mistakes and apply the necessary changes. And now for the embarrassing moment. I saved the best for last. Not best for me, best for you guys. So I was in high school, and I remember one game in particular. We were playing. It was a home game. Everybody's at Devere Beach High School. The crowd's jumping. You know, it's, it's awesome. And there's just a few seconds left in the game. The other team's got the ball, and he's at the foul line. He's got one shot. We're up by one point, and I'm sitting there, and I'm standing at the line, and I'm waiting for him to shoot a shot, and I'm just thinking, okay, we're up by one. You know, if he misses it, all we got to do is get the rebound, and we just dribble out the clock. We win the game. Hallelujah. You know, it's, it's great. So the guy shoots the free throw, and he misses, and guess who gets the rebound? Yours truly. So I get the rebound, man, and I'm just showing all, I, I'm showing all my dribbling skills. You know, I'm, I'm dribbling the timeout. You know, five, four, three, two, one. Woo! I throw the ball up in the air, and I'm shouting, and I'm looking around, and my teammates aren't, they aren't celebrating with me. I look to the bench where the coaches, and they're not, they're not celebrating with me. I'm like, what's going on? They're like, what is wrong? What? And I'm, I'm like, what? Like, look at the scoreboard. I looked at the scoreboard, and we were not up by one. It was tied. Here I am at the line waiting for him to miss this free throw so that I could dribble it out because I'm thinking that we are, we are, we're already up by one, but the reality is that it was tied. When I got the rebound, I had the opportunity to push the ball down the floor so we could score the winning shot and be able to win the game, but I did not do it. Why? Because I was so in the moment and consumed with that. I wasn't listening to my teammates. I wasn't listening to the coaches on the bench, but by the grace of God, we went into overtime and ended up winning the game. I tell you my embarrassing story 
to tell you that when it comes to us growing in these things, we must be aware and heed the voice of the one that God has brought alongside of us to help us, to teach us, to enable us to grow in these graces. In other words, church, we got to listen to the coach. We got to listen to the coach. So you're here this morning, and we're all at some degree in our walk with, with the Lord, whether it's one year or you've been serving the Lord for 50 years and all levels of maturity. I just want to tell you that every single one of us can still continue to grow and get better in these areas, and, and we can do it. Every single one of us can do it. We can be better tomorrow than we are today. If we're willing to apply these things that I shared with you today, if we are willing to allow the Holy Spirit to take the lead and to help us and to remind us of the truth of God's word and the things that, that he has said. And so I want to encourage you guys. Let's grow. Let's be more and more like Jesus Christ. I know this isn't a shout me down message. But I'm, 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 I want to see each and every one of us. Man, I, I went through a very, very difficult season for about a year and a half. You know, and, and it was painful. And now I'm out of that season, and I'm looking at it, and I'm looking, and I'm, I, I look at it, I'm like, God, I understand. The fire, it was bringing some things to the surface. There were some things that were being revealed and coming out of my heart, and I, I had to address those things. I had to come face to face with them so that I could grow and get better. And I can tell you that I'm better today than I was yesterday, but I'm not settling for where I am today. I want to get better tomorrow. And so if that's you and you are here this morning and you want to continue to grow, I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads and we're going to go to the throne of grace where the Bible says we can find grace and mercy to help in the time of need. Father, we come before you this morning, Lord, and we give you thanks and praise and all of the honor and the glory. Father, for this incredible walk that you've invited us to come alongside of you for. And I pray that as you have stressed the importance of these things in your word to us today, Father, we set our hearts, Father, for spiritual growth. And we're positioned, Father, to, to work on these things, Father, not, not in our own strength, not in our own wisdom, but, but listening and obeying your word and the things, Father, that you have equipped us and given to us. Father, you said that you've given us all things already that pertain to life and godliness. So Holy Spirit, if you're touching an area of our life where we've really, really been falling short and we really, really need improvement, we ask that you manifest your grace and continue to educate us and strengthen us so that we can make better decisions, so that we can be fruitful and useful. God, I don't want to walk through this life with you for years and years and years and not be useful. I don't want to stand before you and be, be barren and, and not having fruit, God. But I want to blossom for you, God. I want you to get a, a positive return for your investment in my life, God, for our lives. So we surrender to your will and your desire for our lives to grow. We thank you. We bless your holy name. It's no other name but in Christ's name we pray. Amen.